right, joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Bible Business. Bill, welcome back. Hey, thanks. It's good to be back. How are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm, I belong to God, and He is good. Isn't He, though? And He is good, Psalm 119 says, all the time. Amen. All Amen. the time. You know, I was thinking about your lead up there, and I was just wondering, those who undermine the church, that's really the sheep and the wolves analogy, or, or motif, so to speak, right? You know, we have wolves in sheep's clothing in the church Absolutely. when they undermine the Word of God. And uh, boy, if there is, if there, uh, I have a, I'll just say I have a person here in the Twin Cities I know that went to a very respectable seminary and um, was teaching uh, heresy here on social media. And uh, few things get me more angry than that. Uh, this guy has quite a following, and, uh, and yet he teaches uh, things that are clearly unbiblical. In the name of Jesus Christ, it just it, those things anger me more than more than almost anything else. Well, and they uh, they give non-believers and nominal believers fodder to hold up uh, and and say, you know, look, Christians say that these things are okay, or Christians say that these things um, are uh, you know are appropriate or legitimate. And, and the rationalization to use very very bad theology um, to to get away with anything, I mean, including murder via abortion in the culture today, like is right, extraordinary. Right, right. It's just extraordinary. All right. Um, not our subject matter for today, although good, uh, yeah. good. No. <laughs> that's, yeah. So yeah. Um, the people of America are um, many, many, many people in America struggling right now. The yes. numbers are pretty astounding. COVID has upended um, the finances of many, many Americans and certainly small businesses uh, tell us where where we are and um, how the stimulus maybe has worked and what this next round of stimulus might mean. Whenever the government says yes to one group, they always say no to another. That's kind of the headline here. And so when, when the government put together, when the Congress put together this stimulus package, they helped an awful lot of people who needed help. But by definition, the stimulus package, as any package is going to be, is going to leave some out. And so uh, those who were helped by the stimulus are actually doing pretty well uh, based on this is based on a Wall Street article called uh, COVID Upending America's Finances and Small Business. And it was recently published uh, in the Wall Street Journal. And so um, uh, those those people are doing well. And the other people who, uh, for whatever reason, didn't fit the criteria, didn't fit the the element of what was needed. Uh, to qualify for stimulus money, uh, they are not doing well at all. So, for example, I know of a very small business here in the Twin Cities that I that I am working with, and because they all five owners are are uh, contributing their time to get the business going, they didn't qualify for any stimulus money because they didn't have any payroll against which to apply, right? Because mm. the stimulus was based on payroll. Their business is really hurting. And they personally are hurting uh, because of the COVID pandemic, but the stimulus didn't cover them because they didn't have any payroll. They're, they're owners who are trying to get this business off the ground. That's an example of, of how the, the, um, the bill helped a lot of people but didn't help everybody. So when we think about the, uh, the situation of, uh, of Americans today, you know, some people who are listening 
are, you know, a part of uh, of the average household whose net worth is up, um, at least right. based on cre- credit scores, or whose 401ks are up, investment portfolios are up, um, who've Correct. been able to buy or mm-hmm. refinance, uh, buy a house or refinance a mortgage at these really historically low rates. There's a lot of other people, a lot of other people um, who are going hungry, uh, standing in food distribution lines, um, and particularly families with kids. So it, it it is a pretty stark division. It is, and I think it's made more stark by the stimulus bill. Had the bill not been passed, we would have had uh, exponentially more people in the hungry category. Okay, hmm. so I'm not I'm not down on the stimulus necessarily. Uh, I just wish that it had covered more people. You know, the hungry. Um, you, you you cite that 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 uh, statistics almost twenty percent now. Of, of families with children experience hunger at some level right now. And uh, that, you know, what that means is that when you go out in public, for every 10 people you see, probably two of them are experiencing hunger. They they don't have enough food to eat. Uh, that's why uh, I think getting with the food banks, and you and I have talked about this in other spots, getting with the food banks, uh, donating food, donating money to those who are, are providing food, food, uh, you know, um, lunch programs at school and all that kind of thing. That's something that, that the church and us as individual Christians ought to be a part of. Yeah. Federal food distribution um, actually continues from um, from school districts across the country. And so I uh, want people to be aware of that. The one in my own community, because it is actually under-accessed, is available to everyone. Uh, you just uh, drive by and pick up the food box at uh, at your local school. I know that's not true everywhere, but um, encourage you to check into food distribution in your own zip code and see um, and see what is available because um, there there is, there are significant efforts to to distribute food right now to those who are hungry. All right, Bill English and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Uh, check out, uh, he's got a ton of new stuff posted there. I encourage you to check it out. You can follow him on Twitter at Bible Business. Um, all right. So, Bill, talk with us about the change of name for the St. Paul Chamber of Commerce. It's really a rebrand. Uh, same organization. They're 150 years old. Uh, they have dropped the uh, of business part. Most of them, most or, uh, cities have Chamber of Commerce. They so dropped the of commerce part. And they're now called the St. Paul Area Chamber, 1,700 members. St. Paul, over the 150 years, has gone from being almost exclusively white and male to uh, a community with significant ethnic and uh, various income diversities uh, within the community. And so they thought it was time for a change. And uh, they are partnering with some uh, area uh, uh, cities around them. Uh, if you live here in the Twin Cities, we're talking about you know Roseville, Maplewood, St. Paul, and others. And they are uh, really focused mostly on diversity and diversity of business ownership, that kind of thing. Uh, they, they've also, by the way, incorporated the Hmong Chamber of Commerce here as well as the Oakdale one. So it's if, if you're in the Twin Cities, this is about uh, par for what I would expect for St. Paul. 
for those who don't live here in the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul are two very different cities. <laughs> they just are. And uh, but, uh, but the chamber has changed its name, and it's really uh, highly focused on diversity now. So people um, who are listening across the country may have never been to the Twin Cities. Um, the geography of the Twin Cities is fascinating, uh, and it has tons and tons of little neighborhoods. Like, it just, yes. just it's amazing. It's a, it is a very different kind of not only city, but cooperative city. Like, and so, um, you know, when you think about the Twin Cities, um, I don't know, what's at, what's at the heart of it for you? Like when you, I mean, you live there. So what's at the heart of it for you? How would you describe <sighs> the Twin Cities? I would just, dis- <laughs> you know, that is a really good question. This is what um, I get paid I for, I, would, I get paid to ask really good questions. That is it. That is my whole job. You know, I think they should give you a raise to at least $10 an hour. That's that's what I think. Um, you know, I, I guess I describe um, as two very different cities. Minneapolis is, uh, gosh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, uh, in trouble here, no matter what I say. Look, I think Minneapolis is the more, um, is the more, uh, uh, modern and the more, uh, hip city. St. Paul is the more sophisticated, older, wiser owl type of city. Nice. Uh Uh-huh. Aren't we glad that the University of Northwestern is in St. Paul? Northwestern to me is right in the middle because they're right they're they're just north of the fairgrounds and the fairgrounds is always thought to be equidistant between the two cities. But really? I making yeah, it fair. I, making it fair grounds. Oh. <laughs> Do you know that's why they were called that? Because it was where you went to compete with your neighbors. It was it was the place, it was the fair grounds upon which you could compete with your neighbors about like, you know, whose butter was better or whose cake was better or whose cow was better or right these were the fair grounds. That's it. That's what I got right. for you. Right. So I would I would look at, at the University of Northwestern and, and disclaimer here, my son is a senior there and will be graduating uh, with a uh, major in Woo-hoo. philosophy. Uh, uh, but I, I would I would describe Northwestern as the campus anyways is more St. Paulish, right? It's, it's just a very beautiful, older uh, architectural uh, campus. It's, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. But it is yeah. not liberal like St. Paul. It is it has really stuck to the scripture. St. Paul, this this diversity thing, just nationwide now, this diversity thing really focuses on making man as the center reference point for our values. And I, I'm just wondering how long we're gonna try this experiment before we realize that man is never or any characteristic of man is never a sufficient reference point to get uh lasting eternal values uh, that really work in life. I, I, I'm just wondering about, about this. I'm sorry, but you were going to talk about no, the, the so the No, I want, to build, I want to build on that because I, I think you're making a really astute observation, and um, I would like to drill down even a little bit further. It's not as if humanity has become uh, the, the, the question, um, humanity writ large, or even human beings, um, what's best for mankind or what's best for humanity. That's not even the question that's being asked. It is It is far more specific and personal. I think we have arrived at a place where not only is all politics personal, all politics is individualistic. 
Yes. And so yes. it's more it's more today mm-hmm. about the self, the the individual self than it is about human beings, humanity, community. Um, it, it's just a very, very strange uh, time in which we live. It's really some boy. Uh, it's really hyper selfishness. Like mm-hmm. When I go to church, I want it to cater to me. When I go to a business, I want it to cater to me. When I in, work with God, I want him to cater to me. When I go to a uh, a college, I want the college to cater to me. It's all about me, and not just about me as a person, me based on my identity, which is based on in my uh, sexual orientation and my ethnicity and that kind of thing. So how you treat another person just like me who has one characteristic different uh, should be they they should be treated differently than how I'm treated because my characteristic is different than yours, and we're no longer at the persona level. We're at the characteristic level of individuality, and uh, it just seems to me that at some point this is going to fall apart. I I just don't know when. And and look look let me let me let me just say this: our our sexuality, our gender, our race, our humanity is is sacred before God. There is nothing unsacred about that. But at the same time, we can't make that the center of our value system because we're not a sufficient reference point within ourselves to right. uh, build upon transcend, uh, to build transcendent values. We're just not. Amen. Um, so I have uh, I've now mentioned it. Uh, twice on today's show, and I guess I'll just keep talking about it. Carl Truman's new book um, is a must-read. It's a it's a heavy lift. Um, your son, as a uh, as a student of philosophy, would thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and based on what you've just said, you would not only enjoy it, you would very very quickly apprehend it. So it's it's on okay. you know how we got where we are in terms of our understanding of the quote self. Like that's what the book's about. So wow. Um, all right. And, and what... we, what what's the I, name of the book? I'm sorry. I know, I know. It's it it should be called. I keep advocating that they change the name of it because um, <laughs> I can't remember the name because it's. Oh, I'm sorry to put you on. You know, Paul. The rise and triumph of the modern self. The rise and triumph of the modern self. Okay. Yep. I I'll just talked with him about it on um, on Monday. Oh, did you? If okay. you want a little primer, yeah. All right. Hey, yeah. thanks. We got to leave it right there. Love talking with you. Um, happy you New bet. Year. Looking forward to. Uh, the unfolding conversation. You bet. Blessings. We'll be right back. Hey, that's uh, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. dot com. 